1: This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Stacey Marie Ishmel, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. It's Wednesday, February 1st. One of the biggest shocks to the crypto markets in the past couple of years happened in 2021 when China issued its most significant crackdown yet on all things digital assets. Fast forward to 2023, and there are signs that the country might be softening that stance ever so slightly. Now, just to set the scene a little bit, this is all related to broader signs and some speculation that the country is quote unquote reopening. In other words, that as China loosens the restrictions it had imposed to deal with the coronavirus pandemic, that this is having benefits in all different parts of the economy. Here with me today to discuss China's potentially softening stance on crypto is Bloomberg reporter Mu Yao Shen. Now, one of the interesting things to me about your reporting is that you go from, you know, writing about DeFi or staked ETH to big macroeconomic considerations like what's China doing with crypto? And that's what we're going to focus on in this episode Before we dive into the very latest on what China has been thinking about or doing as it relates to crypto, why don't you kind of set the stage for our listeners as to why China has for so long been such a key player in the crypto ecosystem?
2: I think China, like many East Asian countries, has always been sort of the first one to embrace a lot of new technologies and blockchain and crypto themselves, you know, included. And so I think since uh, Bitcoin is born, uh, not long after, there's a lot of excitement in the chi- China community alone. And we're seeing more people in China jumping into Bitcoin mining. In fact, uh, it got so exciting uh, and China becomes sort of like main market that's behind the uh, ICO booms in 2017. ICO is initial coin offerings after Ethereum got popular and people can launch all types of tokens on Ethereum and while launching sort of like raising funds through this token offering. So you had this e-
1: ICO boom as you say in in 2017 and then you had a couple of years of kind of like intense growth like what was happening.
2: So what happened is that while the bull market was you know made everyone so excited and all that obvious what came with ICOs as we all know today that maybe 99% of project has failed as a result of that I think a lot of retail uh, users in China lost a lot of money from that and China realized that's kind of like a problem they need sort of like address that I think since then China have been sending all sorts of like discouraging messages around like being engaged in cryptocurrency. And that went to really, really, really severe, I think, in 2021. Because one of the messages,
1: you know, if I'm thinking back to it was like a weekend when the pronouncement landed from China, there was this big focus on the concern that declining crypto prices and to your point, investors losing money could lead to societal upheaval.
2: Yes, I mean, that has always been one biggest issue for Communist Party in China as someone who's from China.
1: So China did this crackdown. There was sort of an immediate reaction in crypto markets, particularly in, in Bitcoin, down double-digit percentages. As we've talked about extensively on this podcast with our colleagues, you know, David Pan and UHE Yang, there were reverberations for Bitcoin miners who had to literally physically unplug all of their machines that were plugged in all over China, ship those machines out of the country, end up in places like like Texas. You had a lot of kind of startup and engineering and entrepreneurial talent leave, leave the mainland and go to the US, to the UK, to Europe, in some cases to Hong Kong. And then you, you kind of You know, you get into 2022, it's crypto winter. There's no signs for most of 2022 that any of that might reverse. People aren't necessarily moving back. But now it's 2023 and we're having a very different conversation. What exactly is going on right now?
2: I think everything has to do this whole China reopening um, again after Perhaps the most severe like restrictions around the pandemic, uh, for at least, I think, two or three years. Um, as China reopens, you know, obviously, it's one of the biggest markets in almost like everything. Um, crypto itself also got excited as, you know, like travel is gonna, gonna ha- be happening again and investors can fly out and in China. And, uh, so does, I guess, money. So
1: the idea is that as China is, as you say, reducing the restrictions imposed to deal with the coronavirus and taking a more, we'll just use the word, open stance towards business and everything else, there might be hope that it may change its approach to the crypto market.
2: Yes, exactly. I think what happens is that like a lot of countries, you know, people just assume that blockchain technology as part of the tech industry are being encouraged from the government. So, you know, as a technology itself, blockchain has its like sort of like potentials and China might as well just encouraging a business to start in China. So one of the important things that sounds like you're saying, and,
1: you know, this is definitely a conversation that we also had with David Pan and Yueqi Yang, are that it's not that China outright banned all things crypto and blockchain. It's that there was a really pronounced crackdown on speculation and speculative assets. But when it comes to, to use your phrase, things like blockchain and the underlying technology, but also, as we've discussed on the show You know, the idea of non-speculative, non-fungible tokens, right, which they're calling digital collectibles, that there may still be paths forward for these types of assets.
2: Yes, I agree on that. Um, But for me, um, I guess it's just a little bit too optimistic because how do you sort of um, having a blockchain without the crypto Mm -hmm. that you may the structure doesn't really make sense. So um, I am really not sure like how promising the future is there for any sort of crypto companies to restart um, their entities or whatsoever in China.
1: After the break, you'll hear more from Mu Yao Shen on how China's stance on crypto could, with an emphasis on could, benefit the industry. And you have, you know, you have a lot of sources all over the world. Are you talking to folks who left China and moved to places like the US or Europe or the UK and are thinking about going back or is it still too early for them?
2: I think it's quite early. Um, uh, actually, a lot of my sources who were originally based in China have moved to places like Singapore where, you know, or Dubai, where they have a strong Chinese community as well. What I heard from them is that they're generally just sit on the sidelines and waiting until sort of more clear guidance from the government. Um, so far, I think the really positive signals has been only sent out from Hong Kong. The government is there. What they say sort of is, a message passing through the Chinese government in Beijing as well. Because you mentioned Hong
1: Kong, this was a place that had attracted a lot of crypto talent, including, interestingly enough, the folks from FTX and Alameda, who had originally been based in Hong Kong, and many of them were still living there. And the reason that entities like FTX left and went to places like the Bahamas is because they thought that Hong Kong would also be cracking down on crypto in the aftermath of the China crackdown. Is what I'm hearing from you that the atmosphere in Hong Kong is still less restrictive than on the
2: mainland? What are we hearing? Actually, um, recently, uh, Hong Kong had an event uh, that's very much focused on Web3 development. And um, the... The participants there, who I think a lot of them are from the Hong Kong government, were sending, um, very encouraging messages to business about, um, we are welcoming Web3 companies to come here and to be part of this industry here in Hong Kong. Um, and I also heard they're poten- they're going to be potentially sort of, uh, licensing around trading crypto for retail investors in Hong Kong mm-hmm. this year. Um, all of them sound quite a promising, I guess, but, I think, like a lot of other industries that's non crypto, I think because the relationship between Hong Kong and mainland China, you know, all of this can be changed just overnight. Um, mm-hmm. I think people, again, like Muslims, are just sitting on the sidelines and not sure if it's really a good time just to go back to Hong Kong.
1: And to your point about timing, you know, it's not like crypto markets are doing amazingly at the moment. Why would this be a moment that folks think that China might want to soften its stance given that other regulators around the world seem to be toughening up theirs?
2: I think that's a really good question. I am not sure about that. You know, like, it's hard not to mention our very well-known Chinese investor, Justin Song, in this conversation, since he's one of sort of like the first people on Twitter mentioned about how China is sending of positive signals around this whole reopening and embracing cryptocurrency but I would like to point out in his Twitter thread about uh um, their positive and their optimistic he did not mention the word blockchain non-crypto at all so I feel like it's really a sort of guessing you know or like under trying to understand what China is uh, sending out at the moment got it
1: now as a a closing thought you know one of the stories that we've been covering for again i have no idea what time is but it feels like a long time Mm -hmm. is the ethereum merge Mm -hmm. and the next phase of the ethereum merge which is you know the software upgrade that has like made fundamental changes to how that blockchain functions the next software update is called shanghai yes why
2: I, I think that's just, <laughs> I know, like I, um, so when I was exploring the possibility of China reopening, which, you know, possibly going to help crypto and, uh, the next more bull market to take place in China. And the result, as I mentioned, this whole conversation hadn't been super exciting. Most, most of them are just speculations based on what people are hearing from Hong Kong, based on what people are trying to make the connection between reopening and, uh, uh, which can be also encouraging for crypto and blockchain business. Um, at the end, you know, I was like, you know, you might as well just be positive since the next big upgrade on Ethereum is called Shanghai, which, you know, that that is as China as it can get.
1: <laughs> so it's not necessarily that they are directly related, but it's almost as if the universe is giving hints.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, which, you know, I think... There is not much excitement in the space at the moment. And you might as well just take any signs you can get, just hoping that will happen.
1: People are like scrabbling around being like, is this good news? Is this good news? Let's find some good news.
2: Yes. (laughs)
1: Um, Well, thank you as always. I appreciate you taking the time to join the episode.
2: Thank you for having me again.
1: Pleasure. You can find more of Muyao's reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal and on Bloomberg.com. And be sure to check out our newsletter, Bloomberg Crypto. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producers are Mohamed Farouk and Sharon Bariro. Our associate producers are Ty Butler and Moses Undum. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidran. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow.